Oh, hi, everyone. I'm John Big Loads Hastings, and that's Dylan. There <laughs> you took him six years to think of that. We paused yeah, yeah. for a full hour, and then John thought of that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we started recording it. Because we needed to make sure that this was the episode where we finally debut our nicknames Clam Chowder and Big Load. <laughs> Mine. Dylan, extra sticky guy, because yeah. my cum mm. is extra sticky. My name is John. Clam chowder left in a bowl for up to an hour. That's how thick and congealed my loads are, Hastings. <laughs> John, bricklayer, Hastings. Mm. John, uh, that weird stuff you put in a cocking gun and put between walls, Hastings. <laughs> Man, we are, neither of us are men because I also don't know what that's called. No one called. does. No one does. Hastings. I've worked on a building site and I asked him. <laughs> no one does. What's that called? It's hot. It's cocking. Yeah, and there, he, he was just like, he's cum. And then I was like, oh, I think he's putting cum on the wall. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Richard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fuck the vents, man. <laughs> Don't worry, here's the thing about the cocking in this place. We gotta snowball the cocking into each other's <laughs> mouths and then do the bricks. Welcome new listeners who are joining us from Tony Giovanni's show. This is what every episode is like. <laughs> uh, I'm Dylan Gott, and this week we are talking about Antonio Anoki versus Muhammad Ali, a farce of a fight that gave way to apparently... A lifelong friendship that I still think is just Muhammad Ali liking money until his last days. This is very true. Uh, So Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki. The birth of MMA. The birth of things being boring. The birth of people feeling screwed after a pay-per-view event. Vince McMahon Jr. looked at the crowd and went, they look disappointed. I'm going to make everyone do that from the years 2007 on. I can't think of another event that's like such a weirdly formative thing for how a business succeeds because Vince McMahon, it happens and Vince McMahon says, if that, if they liked that, it would have been great, which is such a weird, where it's like, okay, closed circuit works, but they just hated the thing they watched. There was a riot in the arena. Here's Vince McMahon's, I mean, we're going to get to that, that there's the, the, there was better fighting in the arena but it just wasn't between the best boxer in the world and a Brazilian Japanese man with the largest chin in the world. Um, okay, but here's the thing with Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is the best at finding a positive out of a negative. His house could burn down and his children mm-hmm. and wife could perish in the house and he would go, well, I learned that they weren't invincible to fire. <laughs> well, now we get to live off the land again. Back Very good, trailer. yeah. Mm. I wonder if Roderick still lives in that trailer and is my bitch. <laughs> uh, outside perfect so this is perfect this place is to f- shit i'm gonna shit now that i don't have a house that's burnt down just gonna shit <laughs> yeah, I love shitting. how did this start how did it start how did uh anoki versus ali start uh how it started Noki was watching Rocky 3 and he went mm, yes. i'm better than thunderlips and then called uh, who he thought was Sylvester Stallone, but it turned out to be Muhammad Ali, and challenged him to a match. So he was watching, they made a screener of Rocky Three in 1974 before they made Rocky One. Yeah, that's right. It was He read the original script of Rocky One. <laughs> okay, I just want to get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'll okay, explain. Good. So Anoki wrote Rocky Three and gave it to Stallone in the 80s and was like, I have this just like done. Yeah, I wouldn't say he gave it to him. I, I say Antonio and... Anoki had it stolen from him by Sylvester Stallone, who because originally he was going to make it was weird. The movie was always titled Rocky Three, but it starred Antonio Anoki. It was very confusing. They do weird stuff in Japan. <laughs> also, Antonio Anoki is amazing because he's like he's like Hulk Hogan, but with no aspirations to be an actor and completely unchecked. <laughs> like if Hulk Hogan. Ran WCW was like, all right, dude, I got an idea. How about this? I pin Sting and then Sting real sucks me off, dude. <laughs> dude no, no, dude. The real, actually, metaphor would be. All dude. right, he sucks me off. I nut. It's a shoot and a shoot. Ha ha. I made a joke. But seriously, Steve, you're going to have to suck some dick. No, because today. what it would be is if, okay, in night, okay, the day Muhammad, or the day Hulk Hogan beat the Iron Sheik in 84 or 83. Can't remember which one. Vince McMahon and his entire fam- 83, his f- family died, and Vince McMahon's last words were to Antonio Inoki, 
keep my legacy alive. And then for the next 20 years, <laughs> Hulk Hogan was just the champion and Vince McMahon and Mean Gene Okerlund and Jim Ross. And none of those people existed. And somehow it was successful for most of that time. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who don't know who Antonio Inoki is, Antonio Inoki was one of the first students of Ricky Dozan. Maybe he was he was a student of Ricky Dozan along with Giant they were Baba. The, the Giant, they, the Giant uh, Baba and Antonio Noki were Ricky Dozan's two most popular proteges. Ricky Dozan, when he died or was killed by um, uh, the Yakuza, when Ricky Dozan died or was killed by the Yakuza, or you know just died, uh, both of them were put in charge of Ricky Dozan's company together. That worked for literally no time at all. They split into two companies, All Japan and New Japan. And literally hated each other till their dying day. And Antonio Inoki's legacy is stronger because New Japan is essentially the like is the indie boner wrestling of all indie boner wrestling. Like AEW had a minute where everyone was like, oh, this is the best. And then AEW is mostly just Chris Jericho rocking around wearing no shirt saying Le Champion and Bubbly. And I'm very bored. And so then you just go watch New Japan. And it's a lot of men doing flips. And I can't really watch it because I need the commentary to be part of the whole experience. Go ahead, Dylan. Oh, and Dylan doesn't like New... There is English The reason why also Dylan doesn't like New Japan is he does not like those quote-unquote pearl-harboring bastards. Yeah, that's true. That's something. I just went, whoa, it was a Pearl Harbor live show, and then I laugh, and then I turn it off, and then I watch FDR speeches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dylan's, Dylan's a big... I just watch FDR he's, speeches. He's a big fan of the New Deal, say, if you know what I mean. But... <laughs> Enoki uh, obviously takes over for, there's a, a Japanese Olympian who challenges Muhammad Ali to a fight, Ichiro Hada, and Ali had said to Hada, there isn't an, or, is there an oriental fighter that will challenge me? I'll give him one million dollars if he wins. So Ali steps up, and this is basically a misunderstanding from the start. It seems pretty clear cut. There's all, By the way, uh, the preface of this is Christopher Hobson literally saying that there are books about this. Ali versus Anoki thing, and every single account of everyone else's account basically conflicts. Amazing. Like, Freddie Blassie says one thing, who was Ali's manager. Um, Sex, Lies, and Headlocks says another thing. Like, there's Sex, Lies, and Headlocks and Blassie's um, biography do line up in it a wasn't, lot of ways. Uh, it wasn't uh, Fred Blassie. It was Bob Arum, uh, Freddie Paccio. Um, Blassie was involved because Blassie was... And uh, at the time, Blassie is sort of Blassie is sort of the he was the greatest, biggest heel in Japan at this time and sort of of all time because he famously made someone bleed on television and an old woman died of a heart attack while watching it in an old folks home, supposedly. And so Freddie Blassie is like mm -hmm. he's like the Hulk Hogan. He's like the Hollywood Hulk Hogan of Japan, but of all time. Yeah. So Blassie, they have him just be Ali's manager, just typed it, just kind of be like. We're giving you a link to the pro wrestling industry here and a guy who can be a go between between you and the Absolutely. Japanese so that you don't feel like you're going to get fucked over even though they tried to fuck him. Uh, junior, uh, pardon me, Juno G. LaBelle was the referee and supposedly Vince McMahon, who was involved in the fight, wanted Ali to beat Antonio Noki and then face Andre the Giant in his next match, which I got to tell you, wow, I would have watched the shit out of that. Just an old drunk getting punched by a lean, lean champion. <laughs> as we all know well i mean we'll talk about the fight in the second half i suppose but here's what happens uh onoki says if i have a chance to fight you i can make you on the sleep on the canvas within 10 minutes and originally this was just gonna be an open they should fight. Have had that time limit yeah they should have had th that's actually a fantastic idea john 10 yeah, minutes 10 minutes but they didn't fight like they didn't because no one knew what this was going to be. Because Ali thinks it's going to be a wrestling match. And Inoki, obviously, is just going to be like, old school, let's fuck him over. Because you have to understand, uh, I believe, I'm going to double check this. But Ricky Dozan uh, double crossed somebody to take control of Japanese Yes, wrestling. he, uh, and this is Dylan Gott's words. Because Dylan Gott's words right now. Uh, I'm reading from Dylan Gott's journal. Yeah, okay, yes, please. Uh, it is um, February 20th, uh, 2020. Uh, reading about those Pearl Harboring, Pearl Harbor loving Pearl Harbors. That sushi lord Ricky Dozan screwed me over by being boring and born in Japan. Love Dylan Gott. That's Dylan Gott's journal about Ricky Dozan, so that's what he's remembering right now. No, it isn't. 
No, yes, it is. Dylan, we all know that you watched that weird Clint Eastwood Iwo Jima movie, but only the part where Japanese people get killed. <laughs> I mean, is there another part to it? There's a violent Clint Eastwood's life where he was just like, and now a movie where you punch a Latin oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, if you look back, if we're going to look back on Clint Eastwood's career, career post Million Dollar Baby and be like, oh, he was just a crazy old racist man. I don't like him. I don't yeah. like him. After the chair, after the chair thing at the Oscars, was it the? Chair I mean, that thing? was at the Republican National Conf- uh, Convention. Was he like, oh, ooh, look, I'm talking to this he chair, was- and everyone's like, oh, oh no, Clint's gone. <laughs> like, I have, I'm gonna now, I'm gonna suck the chair legs. The, the next thing that happened after that is he then said, "Please welcome your next president of the United States, Mitt Romney," and the entire world went, "I don't think it'll be the next president." <laughs> <laughs> Please welcome one of the guys who's not going to be president of the United States, anyone. Um, so, yeah, it was. So, Ricky Dozant was fighting uh, Matsu M- Masahiko uh, Kimura. Mm. Kimura is Inventor a, of the Kimura also lock. a very important part of... Well, he actually... It was just, it's called a figure forearm lock. It's a catch wrestling hold. He did it on uh, the uh, Helio Gracie, the inventor of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and broke his arm... I think in like the 40s because uh, Helio Gracie was going around the world challenging people to fights and winning. And then finally, uh, Kimura, who is a 240-pound man, fought Helio Gracie, who was a 140-pound man, and broke his arm. But it took him like two hours kind of proving that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, this stuff, is very good. But also Kimura, like everyone who could actually fight, famous judoka, and, of course, made his money in professional wrestling. Him and Ricky Dozan have a match. It's all going court and plan until Ricky Dozan kicks him in the fucking head. Like, real knocks him completely unconscious. And this, in Anoki's head, for sure, is like... Kimura is known as this huge badass. And he's a uh, he's, he's, he's a national treasure in Japan. I'm going to do that exact same thing to Muhammad Ali. Of course. And also because... That's why it's so weird to me that they're friends. They were friends, but anyway. Uh, Antonio Inoki and... Well, because Muhammad Ali has no idea. And in the end, you have to remember, Antonio Inoki is like thinking of how to double cross him, all this sort of stuff. Muhammad Ali's walking and being like, oh, we're going to have a fun wrestling match, and if this guy steps one, one fucking inch out of line, I'm going to knock him the fuck out because I'm Muhammad Ali in the 70s and still am one of yeah. the more dangerous yeah, yeah. men in the world with my fucking fists. Do you think when they shook hands, Muhammad Ali was like, ah, and then... Noki held up his hand and had like a little buzzer there. And he's like, got you. That's the first trick. And Ali was like, oh, no. That happened. It's also he walked into his hotel room and everything had a whoopee cushion on it. Toilet. Bed, <laughs> the closet. He's like, you want, hey, do you have any uh, gum? And then uh, Ali went to take the gum and it snapped on his finger. And he's like, ow. And he's like, that's yeah, the second that's trick. that's number two. And every time he, to- he revealed the pranks, he would, ki- he would kiss Muhammad Ali softly on the nose. Just very off-putting. <laughs> Angelo Dundee. Kept just just <laughs> threatening. And, I don't fucking like that trickster. Is it what Angelo Dundee would say constantly? <laughs> he's a trickster. Yeah, he's like he's like the Irish boys in my town in Massachusetts. <laughs> I don't like him. He's gonna take your pants off and make you feel good and never call you yeah. back. He's probably a priest. So, so, does one thing with you and then lies to your mum. <laughs> so. There's a uh, just to give you a sense of how popular Antonio Inoki was. Every basically everyone says Inoki was a huge deal in Japan at this time, and he even had his own line of condoms that said kind fight. And when the adverts were fighting condoms decorated with the Inoki da pose, use without use without question, use and you will find out. That's Antonio Inoki condoms. When you want to fight the pussy. Yo, your wife a cunt? This guy will sort her out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. You'll go over. <laughs> mm. nice. Antonio Noki condoms. N- um, giant hole in the front. Because we believe in nutting inside. Cream pie, cream pie, cream pie. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Antonio Noki's trickster condoms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, none of the STDs. All of the getting mm. them pregnant. Although, what were the STDs in the 70s? It was like the clapping. Mm, crabs. Like- crabs was the big one. I don't know why they didn't figure out then. Just shave all your body hair, you fucking greasy, grubby, hairy fucks. 
Is that why everyone shaved their uh, poom pooms in the '90s porn? It's because of the. That's why I do. And no, because they just wanted to make sure everyone saw the soft skin around their genitals. Someone was just like, "Why hasn't anyone seen the soft skin around like my that. genitals?" And they're like, "We can shave the hair." And he's like, "Lovely. <laughs> I always want everyone to see the soft skin around my genitals." <laughs> hey, um, man, I think uh, we did a lot of research, or I did. I asked me anyway. People want to see my nuts. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. am. I was doing some market research at your mom's house. Come on, high five me. My mom's dead. I was at some old lady's house. Anyway, she said more people should see my nuts. <laughs> here's a here's a real fun one. Uh, Ferdy Pacquiao, this is Ali's doctor, said, Ali's fight in Tokyo was basically a Bob Arum thought up scam, and it was going to be, ha ha ho ho, we're going to go over there. It's going to be orchestrated. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it was just a joke. Also, Muhammad Ali would take trips just to cheat on his wife. That's another thing about the Thrilla in Manila and the Rumble in the Jungle is that that uh, <laughs> that is uh, if you watch both documentaries on this, it's like the I think it's the Rumble of the Jungle, the third Joe Frazier fight. It's like oh Joe Frazier's walked up, washed up. I'm just gonna go over there with my mistress and fu- and fuck her, and uh, that'll be that. And then his wife on TV saw him walking with his mistress when he knew when Ali didn't know he was being filmed, and she flew over there and. <laughs> Beat the shit I mean, I didn't. I so didn't think that there was a second. Uh, the Rumble in the Jungle one is with him and Foreman. Then it's the Thriller in Manila with Frazier. Frazier. So it'd be the f- Thriller in Manila where he got caught. Yeah, Thriller Manila, he gets caught because that was just supposed to be like, uh, let's have sex with everybody. Yeah, he's in the Philippines, party. man. This is Philippines in the seventies. Ooh. Oh yeah. John knows about the Philippines yeah, go, in the seventies. I, I, sta- I stand there at the airport and tell the pedophiles to get out of there. Get out of here. Go, <laughs> yeah, John. John has a side job shooing the better yeah, I, sh- I the shoot in airport. Yeah, go get back out home. of here. Bad. Yeah, I'll see. that's all. Scatter. Bad. <laughs> scatter. Yeah, bad. Scatter. You're bad. Bad. Shh. Make that weird nose mums make around cats. <laughs> How did Vince McMahon Jr. become in? Uh, become oh, it's a fascinating story. Uh, him and Gorilla Monsoon were hanging out gambling, and then uh, Vince McMahon he was drugged oh, yeah. by Gorilla Monsoon and woke up at the Tokyo airport with completely naked with a note pinned to him that says, um, "I love PP," and he was being peed on. The person peeing on him. Antonio Inoki was like, you should get a job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know how to tell you this, Vince, but I put $65,000 on a wrestling match that I knew Bruno was going to win. But it turned out Bruno wasn't in the match. Anyway, the Yakuza owns your vital organs now, Vince. What a maneuver. Oh, Vince, what a maneuver. Just want to let you know one thing. I'm the one who killed my adopted son, Joey, because I owed money to the Gambinos. <laughs> Try and threaten me by taking something away I love. I'll take that away. <laughs> I am always crying. <laughs> oh, it's pandemonium in here, Jess. Just to let you know, I have a gun and there is one bullet just in case they find where I live. Yeah, don't worry, Jess. One thing I, you should know that uh, uh, I'm responsible for 9-11. You saw through all the conspiracy theories. I faked my death and then I uh, I did that because I owed a lot of money to some heroin dealers from Afghanistan. One thing led to another, and I plotted the death of over 3,000 Americans. Sorry about that, Jess, but you were right all along, although it wasn't thermite pain. I just flew the plane in there, and I'm quite fat. What a maneuver. <laughs> so Vince McMahon Jr. came in with Bob Arum because this is how accurate is this? But him and Bob work together on the Evil Knievel oh, thing. Yeah. Bob doesn't know anyone in wrestling. Of course. So he just friggin' is like, hey, this guy says he likes wrestling. And then gets Vince Jr. in there. Vince Jr. calls his papa Vince Sr. And uh, Lord Timothy Yolo is born. Because that's how Vince McMahon gets into promoting one of the weirdest and, this is funny enough, biggest events in sports in the 70s. I feel like this event will go down much like the McGregor Mayweather thing. I mean, McGregor Mayweather was a better show, but people won't really talk about how many people saw this as and, and just like McGregor Mayweather. Because in sports context, it means nothing. Like it proved nothing. But well, it's also, it it's also the weird thing that the fuck sports does this thing where sports really tries to pretend not to be pretentious, and then certain things happen that are just purely for. Financial ability or the bloodshed of the competitors, i.e. Antonio Inoki, Muhammad Ali, or you make the great parallel, Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather. And 
especially the Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor fight, ESPN and everyone was distancing themselves from it even before it began, but had to cover it relent. That summer, it was all anyone talked about because even people who aren't boxing fans, who aren't MMA fans, were like, "Wait, that lippy guy from the news is going to fight that other guy who doesn't speak." Um, okay, I'll, maybe I'll watch that. And it just had a big fight atmosphere, as did this event. That's the one thing that Vince McMahon, okay, as for someone who's been around this type of atmosphere a fair amount and is yet to ever learn about it, is the big thing people want to see is a match where two people who are really good at kicking the shit out of people are going to try and kick the shit out of people each other. That's essentially the entire mixed martial arts industry, and it's kicking the shit out of the WWE. That was essentially all of ECW, and it's artistically considered the most important thing in the modern pro wrestling. And that was essentially the Vince McMahon-Steve Austin feud, and it was the reason why Vince McMahon got to be a billionaire for a while. And yet he's yet to figure out, you want a successful formula? That guy who's good at kicking the shit out of people versus that guy who's kicking the shit out of people, they want to kick the shit out of each other. There we go. Yeah. Uh, And, I mean... There's a bevy of reasons that the WWE is on the bad times right now, but... Uh. No, no. No, no, Dylan. Don't know. What I said was the only reason. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> so, it said when they told the fight to Ali, McMahon explained it would be fixed. Cool. Yeah, of course. And no one believed a wrestler could actually beat up, obviously, Muhammad Ali. But uh, here's what was going to happen. The two would fight until the fifth round, until Anoki bladed himself. And then Ali would see Anoki and plead with the referee to end the bout uh, with his back to Anoki as he did. Anoki would then deliver an insiguri, and then he beats Ali. And that way you could have the winner, and Ali would be sparred any of the bullshit. Basically, it's an obvious wrestling match. The payout would be six million for Ali and four for Anoki. Now, as it gets closer and closer to the fight, this is what Dave Melser asserts: is that more and more pressure became this has to be real. Like, there's too many people they're gonna watch this. They'll be fucking pissed at Muhammad Ali if it's not an actual fight. So they go with the actual fight. Um, Ali still wants it, obviously, to be a pro wrestling match, whereas Anoki, because he's fucking psycho, wants to honor Japan and honor blah blah blah. So he wants it to be a real fight. And honestly, if it's a wrestling match and one guy knows how to wrestle, like if it's anything goes and one guy knows how to wrestle and the other guy does not, if Muhammad, Muhammad Ali could just time an uppercut and then win, but probably he's just going to lose. And at this point, everyone will boo because they'll have no idea what they're watching because it'll just be a guy in boxing gloves getting choked out. And then he'll be unconscious and everyone will be like, what just fucking happened? It'll be the same thing as... Gene LaBelle versus, oh, the, I forgot the guy's name is, Milo something? Anyway, that was in the 60s, and Gene LaBelle choked about, and everyone booed while the guy, like, had shit in his pants because he was choked <laughs> out, so he released his bell. The one thing I do actually sort of wonder is why would they put Gene LaBelle in as the referee for this when it's clearly they aren't going to try. And for me, that smells like that was, that, was the, that was a decision made when they were going to fuck Muhammad Ali, and they were like, well... We better make sure that there's someone in that ring who can make uh, Ali's trousers brown if things get fucking hairy. I think it was both of them because LaBelle was the literal midway point because he's a martial arts guy. So he was respected by the Inoki camp, but he was also a Hollywood guy, like a stunt, a known stuntman. So everyone in the Ali camp trusted him as well because he's in the showbiz. So he's just kind of like the half and half. And he's the only guy who had done a mixed fight before. Like a boxer versus wrestler fight. So that's the thought. I mean, they're drawing from a pool of nobody. Literally, they're like, at this point, you could, if you went back in time and were like, hey, I like, I've uh, boxed and I've wrestled, they'd be like, all right, John's the referee. <laughs> they didn't know anybody. Um, oh, also, just for the record, by the way, um, um, Ricky Dozen died because he was stabbed with a piss covered knife. Mm-hmm. By the Yakuza. Yeah, I couldn't remember how he died, but yeah, it was the Yakuza stabbed him. Yeah, when you said may have died, may have been murdered, I'm like, I was like, yeah, he died of natural piss-soaked knife Yeah, I I couldn't remember. (laughs) I was just peeing on this knife, I fell asleep, woke up, goddamn, I was stabbed. I read the wrong research for this week, and I'm trying to catch up, and it's very difficult, but I'm doing my best, I'm covering it up, stop it, stop it, stop mocking me, (laughs) stop mocking me, make me drink pee, that's a punishment for you, but not for me. Oh, yeah. I'm into water sports. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know. I've done, I guess I, that's bad. What I did was bad. I should drink pee. Can I drink your pee? That'd be bad. I hate. No, pee. Judge. I don't hate pee. I like to drink. Hey, that. Judge, let me drink your pee. You seem old. It's probably cloudy. <laughs> cloudy with a chance of me balls. So basically, here's another thing: is uh, Gene Kilroy, who is an Ali confidant, uh, claims that Vince wanted Ali to throw f- the fight, but Ali said he would not. So there's another person just saying. Some here's shit. what I think it was. Is, here's what I think is is that there were a variety of p- different people in the rooms at different times when they were just trying to. It's essentially this is what happened. Um, the promoters of this fight invented. Okay, for sake of metaphor, they invented a flying car. They just what they said was on this date we're going to show you a flying car, and everyone was like, "That sounds exciting," and then they were like, "Ah, oh, shit," and now they're running around trying to quickly invent a flying car. And they have the parts that w- could make a flying car and could make it work, but they have so many people that they need to have agree on how a flying car could work that chances are it's going to be a disaster, and it clearly was. So what I think you have when you have a lot of inconsistencies is Vince McMahon and the other people involved constantly walking in the room going, hey, Ali, um, here's what we're thinking of doing. No? Okay. Go back to Anoki. Well, here's what we're thinking we're doing. No? Okay. Because, again, this is also one of the first times in wrestling where a promoter is dealing with two personalities that are bigger than the promotion. Again, this is the territory days of wrestling. It's not like Andre the Giant was ever critical of Vince McMahon Sr. Don't believe anything in that fucking HBO documentary about Andre the Giant. All the stuff of, oh, he wasn't sure if he was going to go over with Hulk Hogan, but da 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 is bullshit. They agreed long ago. He went around the world and lost all of his matches and put people over. Like, that's, that's just horse shit. That you just promoters were not at this time, especially used to anyone questioning their ideas, which is why some really stupid shit happened. Hello, Vern Gagne. This is my. Uh, this is another thing where everyone says that after the Anoki Ali fight, Ali was never the same. But the real uh, this happened six months after the Thrilla in Manila, which is the final Frazier fight, which. Muhammad Ali didn't really train for, and then vastly underestimated Joe Frazier, and then they both men claim that they almost died during the fight. Uh, Ali couldn't get off of his stool for the 14th round. Basically, Frazier's corner, the fact that Joe Frazier fought his entire career, his entire boxing career, he was just fought with one eye. Because no one ever really properly administered the seeing test to him. He fought it with one eye, and then his good eye closed because of Ali's jabs, so they his corner stopped the fight. Ali couldn't get up off his stool. This happened six months after that fight. Ali is like, also, an old man has been boxing for more than half his life at this time, and he heads into a ring with uh, Antonio Inoki, who at this time is also 33, much like Ali, but... No wear and tear from being in real yeah, fights. Yeah, you got smooth skin and strong muscles, and the only emotional time... And he had smooth skin. That's he a very, very good call. Man moisturizes. There's one thing you can say about Antonio Noki. He fucking moist skins. Now, here's the other thing to very much remember. <laughs> um, is um, Muhammad Ali is... Um, oh, what was my point going to fucking be? The other thing that I do always find very fascinating about this fight before we take a break and then talk about the fight in the second half is also the size of the fact that Ali has to wear gloves and the size of the gloves that he wears. Because if you're going to just do a fight, why not t- just tape his fists and go, hey, pull your punches? Like a little bit like he's been a pro wrestling fan his entire life. And that's not really what's considered. He knows the fucking score. He essentially ripped off Gorgeous George uh, for the patter he did before fights. And it's this weird thing of. It's like in the preparation for this, they had 50 ideas. And the 50th idea became the plan for this fight. But those other 49 ideas, there are shadows and bits of those ideas remaining with them. For example, like Gene LaBelle is there because what the fuck are we doing? Muhammad Ali needs to wear gloves because that gives Antonio Inoki an advantage for when he kicks, spin kicks him in the head and steals the match because he's gloved up and they're thinner gloves so it's going to hurt his hands more if he makes impact which is clearly a idea thought of by someone who doesn't understand boxing which is like oh well he'll hurt his hands when he's punching us wildly <laughs> and then we'll be able to escape that's not how that works and all of those little things curtail into this absolute disaster of a match that bores everyone and yet somehow is credited with being the beginning of MMA somehow so this is the other thing about Ali where he really discovers like 
imagine getting into something that you love so much as a kid and then you basically deal with the people who run it and they're all scumbags. It'd be like, have you seen that? Um, the toys that made us documentaries on Netflix is just like every every single toy uh, company. Like I think the Barbie one's insane, where they talked about the gem doll, and then this old lady goes, "If it was my girls, we would have." He- it was like we would have rooted out that gem doll immediately. <laughs> we would have just had them all assaulted. Yeah, no. Essentially, dead. what it was, it was Jesus discovered that uh, Barbie had a basically an espionage ring aside attached to it. That, and they would find out if other yeah. companies were making dolls and then destroy that company. Yeah, it was like corporate espionage. They would just take one of their high-ranked people and have them be a sleeper cell in the other company, climb to the top, and then funnel information directly to Barbie. And that's like if like you got an action figure, but the people who made action figures just fucked you over so much, and you have such an attachment to action figures. Be like, oh my god, we get this action figure, and you're like super popular. Like, oh my god, this is amazing. And it's like, how much do I get? Oh, you get point point one percent of it's, the gross it's like, sales. It's like if you collected Star Wars figures, but every day George Lucas popped pop around and just took a shit on your lawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be like if you collected a, a Star Wars action figures, but you didn't. Yeah, yeah. With George Lucas. You just had to. You had to fuck Carrie Fisher now. <laughs> I don't yeah, want that one. <laughs> I don't want to do this, George. <laughs> yeah, you do. She, she's all bones now. I was told about a, a queer cruise that Carrie Fisher was on that was ruined because she was doing a Q&A show because she couldn't really do anything. And then her uh, <laughs> and then she went nuts on someone's question and went into the crowd and she's smoking on the cruise, of course, inside and just yelled at them to get the fuck out. And then she was so rattled, she just left, but she left her like uh, anxiety dog on the stage and everyone was just like, is this part of the show? Until the anxiety dog took like five shits on the stage because it was terrified of people. <laughs> that's good. And then people asked for their money back and I would have been like, I would have given yeah. more money. Like, that's all I want to see. <laughs> Here is an extra thousand dollars. This is the greatest show I've ever we seen. We just saw Debbie Reynolds' daughter lose her fucking mind and then forget her dog. <laughs> Bear in mind, by the way, thanks to uh, our crack researcher. He is the crackest researcher. Yeah, Dave Meltzer ain't got nothing on the wrestler review. Hey, Dave, we're coming for you. We're going to take over your podcast where we say things un- in an unnecessarily stern voice. Um, everyone knows that everyone knows that Drew McIntyre is going to go over at WrestleMania. It's obviously very important. Of course, you're going to have to figure out what they're going to do the following up day on Raw. The Fiend is a real problem, but it's important to note that I seem to be the only one that thinks WWE is enjoyable right now. Very good. Okay, goodbye. Uh, Dave Meltzer, at 16, by the way, is already making comments about how uh, about how Japanese wrestling is going and how that this is disrespectful to his favorite type of wrestling, Japanese wrestling. All right, we're just going to take a quick break and be right back with more of the show, uh, more of Muhammad Ali. Bye-bye. Oh, hi, everyone. I think you're all wondering, does Dylan use condoms? No, and that's why you need to do- donate to Patreon because he has a lot of children his wife doesn't know about. I am the king. I coined the phrase risky cream pie. <laughs> and you need to give to Patreon to help my maybe there's a baby fun. Patreon.com backslash wrestler review. If you don't want to do that, uh, you're a fucking loser. But if you're still a fucking loser and you're okay with that, rate us on iTunes. It does help with the algorithms for old fucking uh, Steve Slobs' goddamn Apple things. So rate us on iTunes, rate us on SoundCloud, rate us in real life, 1 to 10. Here's a hint, we're both 10s. It's the time we've all waited for. It is a slightly out-of-shape champion versus a criminal. Welcome to Adonio Dongi versus Muhammad Ali. Everyone's going to cry. Wonderful. How do they get ready for the fight? Well, Ali took some boxing matches because he's a boxer. And then Antonio Noki competed against William Ruska. Noki beat him with three consecutive uh, back suplexes. So he beat him with the Rolling Germans. And then the Ruska guy, who is a former Olympian, uh, said... It was, he beat me and he killed me because Antonio Inoki is so strong and I could feel his hard penis in my back. Each progressive suplex and I would wake up, be horny, and they get knocked out again. That's three knockout wake up hornies. (laughs) 
Shotgun new band named the Wake Up Hornies. Um, uh, the, days the Wake Up Hornies. The days before the fight were pretty fucking fraught as no one had decided what the fucking rules were. Um, Muhammad Ali arrived yeah, in Japan no, believing just, it was yeah. a fixed fight. Antonio Inoki, who was in Japan, was didn't believe that. And they finally met a few days beforehand for the rehearsal. By the way, shows what um, Antonio Inoki knows about a not fix about a shoot fight is that shoot fights don't have a rehearsal. So I like that he sh- he's like, oh, it's a real fight. Now let's go to rehearsal for the real fight. Um, showed up. Muhammad Ali was like, so this is a fixed fight. And Inoki informed him that it, w- it was not. Uh, and the Al- the Anoki and Ali camps almost got into a real fight over the rules, and it was finally straightened out um, days before. And by straightened out, I mean there was an intense negotiation with a special set of rules finally agreed for this first and only type of match. Ali would wear four-ounce gloves and would be able to tag out of any gravel by touching the ropes. Anoki would be barehanded. There was to be no kneeing, kicking, or hitting below the belt. Anyone threw it under the ring would have 20 seconds to get back in. These original rules are said to have been drawn up by Vince Sr. and Ali's trainer, Angelo Dundee, a month before the match, which we know is not true because yes. of all Once of Once again, all of these are direct quotes from books, and they're all contradictory. Yeah, absolutely not true. It's also said that Vince Jr. was sent out to by his father to to Japan to stabilize uh, the bout as events spiraled out of control. There's an urban myth that Vince Jr. put Ali in a wrestling hole to show him how much danger he would be in in a shoot bout. <laughs> this is yeah, 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 not yeah. believed by anyone except, of course, for me, because I like the imagery. Okay, what do you think happened then? I think that Vince McMahon walked in and was like, I think you're the champ, right? Ha <laughs> ha! And then uh, Muhammad Ali was eating a nice he was eating a nice turkey club sandwich, lean turkey. Uh-huh. Only one slice of bread, not the traditional three, and was like, uh, yeah, do I know you? And he's like, Yeah, you do. I'm the motherfucker who fucked your mother. And he's like, What? <laughs> I'm I'm just enjoying a nice turkey club before the weirdest match of all time. He's like, Listen, you little fuck. Do you wanna know what happens? When I put you in this labor hold. He's like, you could just do that and let's see if I care. And then Vince McMahon Jr. put him in the million dollar dream and Muhammad Ali ate a full turkey club, fucked his mistress and slept for eight hours completely unaware that Vince McMahon was just holding onto his head the whole time. <laughs> exactly. I think that's what happened. I think what happened was he came in, right? Vince came in and said, hey, I'm going to show you a wrestling hold. And then Ali said, oh, which wrestling hold? And then they fell in love. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a little known fact. Actually, the Vince McMahon and Muhammad Ali spent two days, two years working at an Airbnb with a good selection of marmalades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how Airbnb was made up. Vince McMahon and Muhammad Ali fell in love, so they needed to invent a business to make it be like, oh, we're business partners. But actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. The original plan was having a lovely time in Vermont. Yeah, it was just floating hotels because Vince McMahon's ideas are terrible. Uh, Another uh, supposed urban (laughs) myth about this is Vince Jr. uh, told Judo Jean LaBelle just to blade Ali. Essentially just, hey, in the middle of the match, cut the black guy. Just cut him. Just fucking cut the black guy. Um, And then Freddie Blassie told (laughs) Vince Sr. and Vince Sr. sent his son home immediately. (laughs) That's so good. You're grounded, 30-year-old. 30-year-old's grounded. We've talked about this before, but they did a tester match because everyone just thought Ali was going to kill Anoki, so they did a tester, which was Ali got in the ring with Gorilla Monsoon, and Gorilla Monsoon put him in an airplane spin. He didn't set him down as softly as they wanted him to. He landed a bit on his hip, Muhammad Ali did, after the airplane spin, and then Gorilla Monsoon did an interview saying he's a good boxer, but he is not much of a wrestler. So that was supposed to build up to... The fight between Ali and Inoki because nothing would convince. If see, this is the thing: the the fact that they did that angle with the airplane spin, to me, absolves them of any worrying that if it's just a wrestling match, anyone's going to be upset. Like, of course they're going to be happy because the intro to the angle was just an airplane spin. Also. This is very formative because this is Vince McMahon seeing Muhammad Ali in an airplane spin, and then he gets to see Vince Jr. does one of his wrestlers, Gorilla Monsoon, plastered on every single television channel because he put an airplane spin on Muhammad Ali. This is the first time him seeing, I get a celebrity, they do an angle with me, my guy gets the rub. This is the first time him seeing this. Yeah, I totally see what you're saying, and you're wrong in a bunch of different ways. One, uh, Vince McMahon can't see. Two, 
There, there, he's a blind man. Yeah, he's been blind this whole time. He's just very good at hearing. Um, two, I actually disagree that this is going to make anyone psyched to see this match or not psyched to see this match. I think they, everyone was in a blind, white fury of passion to just see whatever the fuck this was going to be. They didn't need to do a preliminary match with the airplane spin or anything like that. They literally, all they just needed to no, fucking do. No, I'm not do. saying. No, but is that there's nothing that they could have done to curtail anticipation for this or build it in the right way. They it, they talk about that the right kind of heat, the wrong kind of heat sometimes. This match, in a weird way, had the wrong kind of attention d- drawn towards it. No one knew what it was. They were just excited to see it, which meant that there was no way to manage expectations. I see what you're saying. You're saying it's kind of like the XFL, where it's like no one knows what they're going to see and then once everyone sees it, they were pissed. But like, what did you think you were gonna see? Yeah, everyone had a different idea of what was gonna happen. Um, we're of course talking about XFL one, not the somehow moderately yeah. successful XFL two, which absolutely stuns the shit out of me. It's just like it's like the NFL, but it's on more. I like it. It's just summer football, baby. People love football. What I was saying wasn't that. It was a good way to build up the match. I was saying that... No, we have it recorded. I, these were your you exact words. This be, was my favorite build to a match ever. You just said that. You know that, right? That's true. I'm not saying it was a build. It was saying you make it implicit now that if anyone's like, hey, they didn't really fight. It's like, yeah, they did a fucking gimmick where Muhammad Ali came in the ring, yelled at a fat guy, and a fat guy spun him around so he got dizzy, and the dizziness made him unconscious. Like, you can't expect it to be a real fight. Well, in classic Dylan form, in classic liberal Dylan form, he's applying modern Ooh, yeah. day convention. I'm liberal. John's a racist conservative. Most conservatives aren't racist. John, though, he likes to distinct. He likes to say Fox News is for pussies. That's what John's. They're gonna put on his gravestone. Uh, I am post-racial and post-conservative. And, and then he's gonna check the cemetery I'm, I'm, to see if there's any. Don't believe the in most ethnic name he'll allow next to him is Polish. Anything le- anything less than Polish, as John puts it, not in the cemetery. With mm, you know how I feel about cemeteries. I don't believe in them. They're all haunted. They should be paved over, and the elementary school should be put there so the kids can fight ghosts, and I'll videotape that and then sell the tapes. <laughs> yeah. Like Kid. a world star. Mm, imagine, yeah, ghost star is what I call it. Ghost star hip-hop. Oh, that's good. So this must be interesting, because usually Bob Arum is the most scummy guy... And then he got into wrestling, and he's essentially the Pope. Yeah. This is the best thing about any time, like, shady... Like, Dick Ebersole is widely considered a piece of shit producer and just was very good at getting shit done and was just basically a crazy man who would say things like... Who would, like, confront John Madden live on... Like, during a broadcast to be like, you fucking better respect the fucking broadcaster, Madden, or I'll burn down the fucking Oakland Raiders stadium, you motherfucker. I'm Dick Ebersole. I'm wearing a duck on my sweater. (laughs) Um, Like, famously, he took over SNL because they were going to cancel it and was just like, we'll just get comedy stars and we'll just have them do it. And they're like, what? And he's like, shut up. Um... And, uh, yeah, when he was fired from NBC, they uh, turned his office into four conference rooms. That's how big of an ego Dick Ebersole had. V- Dick Ebersole looks like a reasonable, nice, kind, charitable man next to Vince McMahon. That's the difference between real-world scumbag <laughs> wrestling scumbag. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, the guy who's the toughest guy in the town you grew up in, and then he goes to a gym with people who've been training to fight. It's like, yeah, you could fight... You could fight- where no one else could fight, but now everyone here is trained. Everyone here is the worst. the The cleanest guy here is the dirtiest guy anywhere else. Like the cleanest wrestling promoter has just looked at it like, "Well, you didn't make the shot, so why should I pay you?" My mom was in the hospital. All right, you owe me fifty bucks then. Yeah, your mom was suppo- your mom bought a ticket. I could have sold that ticket again. You didn't tell me. Let's put it this way. <laughs> Bob Arum is Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, one of the scariest persons on the planet. Brock Lesnar in prison, guaranteed Brock Lesnar is stabbed four times by the time he hits his cell. I don't care how tough you are. Like the Prison's a different world, and there are sneaky, sketchy people in prison that are just like, like zip out of a hallway, stab, 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 and gone. Brock Lesnar has to get, he's got new diverticula. Brock Lesnar gets the old Ricky Dozan P-blade treatment. Bob Arum's trying to buy judges. 
Antonio Inoki is watching a man piss on knives. He's like, well, I never know how many people I'm going to stab, so I just wake up, piss on six knives a day. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a good use of your time. It's a good use of your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bob Arum's trying to buy a judge. Antonio Inoki is dressed as a judge telling people he's a judge in a courtroom that he's built. <laughs> so here's something fun. It's closed circuit. It's in 150 different locations throughout the United States. It's in 37 countries, this fight is. The fight was at the 14,500-seat capacity Budokan, which was sold out. The best seats were going for $1,000. Someone paid one. Yeah, this is 1976. So let's... Yeah, there you go. So it's a $3,000 ticket. That's not that bad. Oh, this is 2017, too. So it was like a $3,000 ticket. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, that that big fair. What was the... Okay, in 2017 is when the Mayweather fight was. So what was the Mayweather-Connor fight in 2017? Front row was what? 10 grand, probably? People also... People forget. People, like, the wealth wasn't as... People didn't have as much... Like, the top end of people in the world didn't have as much money back then. Yeah, except for me and my family. We were very rich then. That's true. The Hastings clan? Oh, yeah. Ooh, we've monetized pedophilia. <laughs> Anytime someone sucks off a kid, I get six dollars. I mean, let's all just consider how quick that came out of Dylan's mouth. And for those of you playing the rest of the review drinking game, you now have to finish your drinks because Dylan said something that'll ruin his career. That's not true. Last ruin your la career. Last comic standing comedian Dylan got kicked off after he quote unquote paid pedophiles to fuck kids to make fun of the Hastings clan. <laughs> I'm just saying, John's family is like the family from the first season of True Detective. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but we're the Hart family in that we were crippled by personal tragedy, but then learned to move on. Yeah. We're not like the Yellow by King family. By not talking to each is, other. Which is, Dil <laughs> yeah, Dylan's family is the Yellow King family, and they got a bunch of skulls in a weird circular room, and Dylan fucked his sister. Now, go ahead. No, he didn't. No, it's, yeah, not we. You. Just you. You by yourself fucked your sister, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> you wish. Um, so, here's what happened. The only fight that was broadcast everywhere... So, here's how closed circuits would work. There'd be an entire wrestling event, like an actual event. And yes. then the last thing they would show is they go on the screen and show Enoki versus Ali. So, in the McMahon territory, they had a rematch of Bruno San Martino... Uh, and Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen had fucked up and broken Bruno's neck earlier in the year. Like, actually, it was a botch, but then they just said it was the clothesline that broke his neck, and they hurried Bruno back because they had so much money invested in Ali and Anoki that it literally could have bankrupted Capital Wrestling. So they really needed it to sell out, and it did. 32,897 people watched Bruno win via countout. And Hansen was uh, had to had to leave the building with a police escort that night. And in the AWA, what did they do? Nick Bockwinkel against Vern Gagne. No contest. Yeah, it uh, it actually ended with them. Uh, um, they couldn't actually wrestle anymore, so they played checkers and they drew at checkers. And then so they just both napped on the apron until the Anoki uh, Muhammad Ali match started, which was fun. Uh, which uh, was a uh, a fun uh, foretelling of what was about to happen. Foreshadowing. Fuck, I'm bad at talking. Uh, also in the Crockett territory, <laughs> uh, the main event was the Rock and Roll Express fighting two dads who found out that Ricky and Robert fucked their daughters. <laughs> She's 11. Yeah. Ooh, woo. My daughter is a puppy and my puppy's four. Ooh, woo. 21 in human years, babe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ricky Morton Hastings, and this is Robert Gibson Hastings. We're the Rock and Roll Hastings Express Hastings. Ooh and Muhammad Ali, sorry, uh, Andre the Giant fought Chuck Wepner in a boxer versus wrestling match. Um, Wepner, of course, had gone to a 15th round against Ali uh, as a long shot and inspired the film Rocky, which Sylvester Stallone to this day claims is not about Chuck Wepner in any way, so he doesn't have to pay Chuck Wepner shit. It doesn't have to be based on his life. And uh, Andre won the match via countout when he threw Chuck Wepner out of the ring. 
So what we got? In the NWA, uh, Jack Briscoe and Dory Funk Jr. fought to a draw. 60 minutes, the way it should be, baby. NWA champion uh, Terry Funk beat Rocky Johnson in five minutes. And then he said, that's Muhammad Ali. And then, of course, as we talked about, the AWA was Nick Bockwinkle and Vern Gagne fighting to a uh, no contest in Japan. It was mostly just martial arts oh, demonstrations no, uh, Dylan, and then Dylan, some on, weird you forgot, tag match. You forgot, you forgot a couple places. In uh, WCCW, okay. um, all of the Fritz boys were brought into the ring and um, all of the Mount Eric boys were brought into the ring and Fritz scolded them for thinking that they could watch a black person and a Japanese person on television. And all of the people there you go. had to sit silently with their eyes closed while the match played. Well, Fritz scolded them. <laughs> That's bad. Well, That's said, bad. I don't like it. I don't like it. Don't watch them watch me. I'm Fritz. Yes. Look at me get the ball. I play football. That's that's what a good sport is, is football. Let me tell you who didn't fight in World War II. Muhammad Ali. Me. I'm better, though. I wanted to. Not, not Muhammad Ali. He didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, and in, uh, in Minnesota, Dick the Bruiser showed he said you got two choices you can watch Muhammad Ali's and Antonio's and Noki's or you can watch me finish this tub of chicken wings I found outside not cooked and they went not cooked and he just ate the uncooked chicken wings for three and a half hours you go oof I've died and come back to life three times and then I got a huge applause in the, the Florida territory Dusty Rose just saw Muhammad Ali talking and this is what happened he went from talking like this hello my name is Virgil Ronalds and then he saw Muhammad Ali and he was like ah baby I'm gonna let him do that I talk about him now <laughs> yeah yeah in Florida is that do you want to see uh, Muhammad Ali, who's the, really the person that talks like this, or do you want to see a white fat guy who talks like this? And they said, white fat guy, and he said, okay, I'm going to try and eat more chicken wings than Dick the Bruiser is in <laughs> Milwaukee. And then they eat the chicken wings, and then they had a first ever simulcast. That was the Nitro and Raw wasn't the first. That first simulcast was a chicken eating contest, <laughs> uncooked, between Dusty Rhodes and Dick the Bruiser. But then the thing was, Dick the Bruiser, to prove he was more of a man when Dusty stopped, Dick the Bruiser then, uh, then actually uh, fucked his tag team partner, who I forget the name of at the time, to the show his dick still worked. Yeah, he fucked the crusher in his butt to show that he could still get erections yeah, after he, eating 16, he 16 pounds it, of uncooked chicken. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. He, he asked crush the crusher and then gave birth to a diarrhea that could only be described yeah. as gelatinous. Yeah, and then he diarrheaed in a box and mailed it to Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. And then Dusty Rhodes went, I deserve this for not having <laughs> sex afterwards. <laughs> And that was the real thing that happened tonight. Yeah, that was that. And by the way, that scenario far more exciting than the match that took place between Muhammad Ali and Antonio. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then also, Dick the Bruiser had such a big shit coming out that he he pre-cummed because the shit was pressing on his main yeah. G spot. What's actually nice though is it gave the shit this lovely glisten, like a nicely glazed chocolate yeah. cake. Because I don't know if you guys know this about Dick the Bruiser, he was notorious for his amounts of pre-cum. Most people are known for their fat notes, like me and Dylan. First thing that happens, Inoki sprints the 16-feet gap between the two and just throws himself feet first at Ali in a two-footed tackle. Ali sidestepped and he missed, and basically from his back, Inoki just kept kicking him because the rules were no standing kicks. So what, Al what Inoki did for the entirety of the match was run and sliding kick uh, Ali and then kick Ali from his back because as he astutely noticed you can't punch a man at all if you're lying on your goddamn back and Inoki could kick really well so he just kicked him in the leg Inoki landed a bunch of kicks at one point he tripped Ali with his feet and landed a and ended up uh basically full mounted on him they of course stood the fight up at by the end of the fight Ali had thrown six punches thrown Six punches over, uh, was it 12 or 15 rounds <laughs> over a long time? So either 36 or it's 15 40, rounds. Five it's 15 rounds. Okay, so that is 45 minutes, 45 minutes, six punches. Um, Anoki in the entire fight was, uh, or sorry, in the entire first round was only upright for 14 seconds. And, Ali tried to fucking get Anoki to fight by yelling, coward Anoki, Anoki no fight, no one gave a shit, 
because it's Japan. They're just watching the thing happen, um, which I think is good. Just to fuck up. Don't fucking. These guys are fighting each other. Like, don't be a dick. Anyway, um, by the end of the fight, Ali Inoki had three points, and uh, they were all deducted due to rules violations. He need him um, at one point, and Ali climbed through the ropes and threatened to go home, had to be talked back into the ring. So nothing happened. And people think this was a grand plan. I highly doubt that if there was going if they're gonna fucking fake a fight, they're gonna make it fun. Yeah, this is the thing is as soon as he gets on his back, that also clearly was the, like Anoki may have been told to do something else, told just stand up and fight him, all that sort of stuff. This is clearly Anoki protecting himself as best as he can because he has to stay in Japan and Muhammad Ali being a victim of being like he was out scummed by the scum bunch basically and there's nothing he can do that's exactly what happened stand there and look like an asshole and go home with his six million dollars that's exactly what happened right and this of course Ali's doctor says after this fight you should go to a hospital but Ali doesn't go to the hospital he just takes two fucking Bum fights, because Ali, the thing about Muhammad Ali is you only hear about the big fights, but the thing is he fought like every three months. At this point, boxers fight a lot more because you do your huge fight one a year maybe, but also you just keep on fighting people and knocking people out just to so you don't get any ring rust, you know? Now boxers never fight anybody unless it's an event. The, the only... Everyone is a challenger. You would never, because this is boxing on TV. So it's if it's on TV, no one's paying. So now, just by virtue of someone having to pay, you're now a quantity. Uh, sorry, a quantity. You're now, you're now. What do you call that? God damn it! You're an attraction. A commodity. You're, you're a commodity. commodity. Yeah, an attraction. So you can't just put it out there too much. Everyone like, has for to example, be there's a Tyson it, Fury happen, a fight happening today. This is the third Tyson Fury happen- fight in three years. Considered one of the biggest boxers of all yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. Even the last Fury fight that he took was just a warm-up fight. And that was not something that boxers usually do. Yeah, like everyone was very, to get some A lot of people were concerned he was doing that because they thought it was unsafe, especially because of his mental health. Also, the idea that we're talking about boxers' mental health in 2020 really shows the evolution of time in that... Like, you could look at Mike Tyson and be like, I think that guy has undocumented rage issues and probably has some anxiety. And everyone was like, uh, let's hope he kills some people and then they die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now Mike Tyson won't even spar because it says it takes him to that bad place, which is pretty terrifying. Yeah. Anyway. Owns pigeons and then earns his money by working out at a gym in the middle of a Las Vegas casino. Mike Tyson, everybody. <laughs> so, Ali, of course... Uh, after this fight uh, is the end of his career where he's got Parkinson's, they discover it and just ignore it so that he can keep boxing, which is super fun. His doctor quits the camp after advising him to retire because he doesn't take the leg injuries from this fight seriously at all. He has two blood clots in his legs and he doesn't go. He should have gone to the hospital basically for a month. He went in for like a couple weeks a month later. Like, immediately after this fight, he should have gone to the hospital. He just didn't. Yeah, because, again, this is also a time where, like, uh, you're a boxer, not a pussy. Don't go see a nurse. Just go drink some beers. And Oki, of course, being a great self-promoter, uses this to launch his career into being mythical status. Him and Ali become friends. Eventually, Inoki brings Leon Spinks in for a 1986 event. Leon Spinks is the man who beat Muhammad Ali for his title and beats Leon Spinks because baby people need goddamn money. That's so fucking crazy. In 1998 when uh, Anoki wrestled his final final match, Ali now in the grips of Parkinson's flew from America to attend after Anoki won, um which is fucking of course he did. Ali climbed into the ring and the two men hugged. Ali's representative read a message over the PA. It was 1976 when I fought Antonio Inoki at the Budokan. In the ring, we were tough opponents. After that, we built love and friendship with mutual respect. So I feel a little less lonely now that Antonio has retired. It is my honor to be standing on the, on the ring with my good friend after 22 years. Our future is bright and has a clear vision. Antonio Inoki and I put our best efforts into making world peace through sports to prove there is only one mankind beyond the sexual, ethical, or cultural differences. It is my pleasure to come here today. I mean, what the actual fuck is going on with that statement that takes the weirdest left turn at the very end? 
I just want to let you know that <laughs> we uh, solved the Cold War with our shitty, boring time. Also, if you're gay, if you're black, if you're Muslim, that's okay with me and not with Onoki. It's fun to be here. Okay, bye. <laughs> We're very good friends, even though he genuinely believes if you've ever been in the same room with another man, you should be put in jail. Yeah. I, you must first fight that man to decide who the alpha is, and then you can be friends accordingly. I have not read this statement. I just want to let you all know he makes me do this. I have Parkinson's and don't speak anymore. <laughs> my representative does not represent me. Okay, we'll just leave that part out. Yeah, me want my wine. Me want mom. Me want to go home. <laughs> so that's the fucking Antonio Inoki versus Muhammad Ali review. John, what's the best thing about uh, Ali and Inoki? It made Vince McMahon Jr. go bankrupt, which uh, makes me laugh. Hey, might be a billionaire. That's now. true. He did. Yeah, it did. It definitely did make him go bankrupt. Morally, of course. Uh, worst thing about it, uh, probably the match itself. I'm gonna say, it. Dylan, go ahead. I think the worst thing about it. Yeah, I mean, you can't not say the match itself. It's such a weird thing that ever... It's it's so funny, these things, where it's like everyone was duped by it, but no one wants to remember it except for wrestling people. Like, only wrestling people talk about Ali versus Anoki. No, that's not fair. That's not fair. MMA people talk about it, too, and they just say, it it's the beginning of the sport, and then they give you no more details about it. <laughs> yeah that's pretty much it they just say oh and then ali and anoki fought what was that like oh weird and bad anyway no boxer will no boxing fans ever talk about um, ali versus like even though this must have been one of the bigger paydays of his career muhammad ali was the six million dollars six, he gets six million dollars in 1976 that's a hot tamale yeah that's three times as much right roughly so it's like what 18 million dollars yeah he made 18 million dollars that's connor money baby he's the Conor McGregor of 1976. Mm -hmm. The worst thing... I think the best thing for Vince McMahon is it, once again, teaches him the gorilla monsoon getting on TV by virtue of the proxy of having Muhammad Ali on TV. Like, who's that other guy? Oh, that guy's big. Everyone sees him and, he, and something clicks in his head. Gets celebrities just because... If you get celebrities on TV, then obviously more people will be aware of your product and your wrestlers. The pomp and circumstance, the closed circuits, obviously for WrestleMania, he knows that this can work and people will show up to these events and just exactly how to do it by obviously the biggest celebrity in the world is attached to this at this point, Muhammad Ali. So he learns a lot of stuff about this. That's the best thing. And obviously the worst thing is bankruptcy. I think this is bankruptcy number two for old Vinnie Mac. And once again, his dad not letting him really promote wrestling that much and do what he wants to do with wrestling is probably the worst part because this absolutely works. But Vince Sr., there's no way he'll ever try anything like this again. He's kind of like let his son talk him into this dumb thing in his mind well, with again, so much money. The idea was very good. They didn't lose it. that much. Like it's, again, it's, Everyone looks at this historically and goes... They couldn't this, just do it a second time. Yeah, but the thing is, something like this, if they were smart enough businessmen, which they're wrestling people, so they're not, is this is something you're only going to do one time. You're only going to make this money one time. Lawrence Taylor Bam Bam Bingalow actually did draw them a shitload of money. It's still remembered as the worst WrestleMania because they put it on last and they should have put that match on first. But it still made them a shitload of money. From a business perspective, this was incredibly successful. They didn't need to hand back any money. They sold up fucking Shea Stadium, which is bigger is at the time bigger than even Yankee Stadium, or is Yankee Stadium bigger? I can't remember. But it's a fucking it's a giant baseball stadium. It's fucking huge. What are you concerned about, you dumb fucks? Yeah, it's one of those things where you fool me once, you know, shame on you, fool me once, twice, shame on me, and they don't... He doesn't try another big closed-circuit event, to put it in perspective, for another uh, nine years after this. But once again, he knows it'll work. He This is very this is a very, very formative event uh, for Vince McMahon. Also, him working with Bob Arum, this is where he learns all his fucking weird promoter tricks is from Bob Arum. Like, Bob Arum, the boxing promoter, is exactly how Vince McMahon models himself, which is, like, he's kind of like a bombastic businessman, which is exactly how Vince always sees himself, where it's like, if I'll be a normal businessman who just uses those weird fucking... <laughs> 
alpha tricks they teach you to pick up girls, but on men in business rooms. But also, if it comes to it, he'll just start yelling and not let you get any words in. He's basically, Bob Arum was Fox News before Fox News. Yeah, basically, the Antonio Inoki Muhammad Ali fight is the training montage of Vince McMahon midway point through the 80s fight movie. And now we move into him conquering his enemies. Of course, it's Vince McMahon, so there's actually no enemies. It's just a bunch of businessmen that are kind of scummy, too. And Vince McMahon takes them to the cleaners for no conceivable reason. Yeah, Vince McMahon, if you want to look at the people who promote wrestling, Vince McMahon is also the only one that's in shape. So, yeah, he's able to stay up for those extra six hours a day because he does not have diabetes, just undiagnosed because they don't go to the doctor because that costs 10 bucks. I got a hole in my foot because I need somewhere to keep my cigar. <laughs> I just put my cigar out on my dead foot. How is that bad? Can't feel it, so fuck it. All right, well, that's that's the end of this fucking episode. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck off. Everyone, right? suck Sh- our dicks. Shut the fuck up, everyone. Come see me in Australia. Tickets available at my website. Or just check out my dates at thejohnhastings.com because it turns out my webmaster's been putting it up there all year. That's really exciting. Suck my penis. Oh, yeah. I'm at DylanGott.net or at DylanGott, D-Y-L-A-N-G-O, double up that T on Twitter. I'll be posting all my shows there, and that's also on Instagram. I do fun, silly videos every week, YOLO. And you can get us on Instagram and Twitter, at Wrestler Review, just the name of the podcast, at Wrestler Review, no the, just at Wrestler Review. And we're on Facebook, The Wrestler Review Podcast. New episodes every Sunday. Please drop a like. Please subscribe. Please comment five stars. It really helps people discover these two perverts that do a podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell no one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.